1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Amen. Let's pick up. Uh, we were in last uh, Wednesday, Proverbs. Uh, let's pick up in Proverbs 6, verse 2. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken captive with the words of thy mouth. And I said last Wednesday, you know, we live in this generation where we're not supposed to admit that we ever trapped anything or know about trapping anything, but some of us do. And uh, if you've ever trapped a critter, it's pitiful because they get in the trap and they try and get free. And that's the whole point of a trap. They can't get free. How you doing? Did you graduate? Congratulations. Uh, they can't get free. And see, if people are not in an environment where they hear the word, how would they know how to get free? And so they're in the trap. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken captive with the words of thy mouth. And Proverbs 18.21 says, of course, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So good or bad, it works on the positive side, it works on the negative side. Tell your neighbor, it works on the positive side, and it works on the negative side. Tell the neighbor on the other side, it works on the negative side, and it works on the positive side. You know, one of the messages in my car, uh, Dad Hagen tells the story of somebody coming to him and saying, man, that, that, faith, that, that faith stuff doesn't work, that confession stuff doesn't work. And Dad Hagen said, well, isn't that interesting? You say that faith stuff doesn't work and that confession stuff doesn't work. And the guy batted his eyes a couple of times and he said, I see it, I see it. He said, I got to turn that record over and play the other side. See, in other words, it's working. It's just a matter of, is it working in the positive or is it working in the negative? And once you realize this, you, you enjoy the fruit thereof. Amen. I know it's a rugged word. It is. I think one of the hardest words that any of us could ever hear about the Lord is that he'll let us live with the results of our decisions. And it's a hard word. It really is. As recently as 1989, you know, I'd been married 14 years. I'd been faithful to Sue 14 years. She'd been faithful to me 14 years, 1989. So I would have been saved 29 years. I was a tither 29 years, and we weren't making it. And you know what the Lord did? Nothing. He sat up there on his throne, and he watched us not make it. And that's a hard word. Because you know what he did? He gave us his word. And so that's what he did, and that's all he did, and that's all he's going to do. He gave us his word. And we're supposed to, you know, check it out. We're supposed to find out what belongs to us. We're supposed to walk in what belongs to us. 
And if somebody doesn't take the time or the trouble to find out what belongs to them, if somebody doesn't take the time or trouble to walk in what belongs to them, and now we're in this weird world, forget about it. When we pioneered, you know, uh, there weren't that many Christians who had really been taught the word, but man, you fast forward. Oh my gosh, 84, how long is that? 30, 37 years? Oh my gosh. You realize when we pioneered and people walked in the door, they generally, they knew something about the Bible. But that's not the, that's not the case anymore. Because even if they've been in church, most people don't know anything about the Bible. And uh, so that when you, when, you, when, you are, when you are confronted with the Word of God, it's a shock to your system. And I think it's actually more of a shock to people that are churched than it is to people who are unchurched. Because most of these people were winning to the Lord. They're unchurched people. And they hear the word and it strikes a chord on the inside of them. And they respond in faith to the word that they heard. But a lot of times churchgoers, when they hear the word, they're offended by it. Because that's not what they were taught. They weren't taught the word. They were taught something else. And so it can be shocking. It can be alarming. Amen. So people, even God's people, are imprisoned with their words. People, even God's people, are defeated by their own lips. Few of us realize that our words dominate us. I mean, just look what has happened to this nation in the last 14 months based on words. I mean, it's just amazing. If you are defeated, you are defeated with your own lips. Tell your neighbor, if you are defeated, you are defeated with your own lips. Tell the neighbor on the other side, if you are defeated, you are defeated with your own lips. You see, when we talk fear and doubt, we sink lower and lower. But when we talk faith and victory, we rise higher and higher. So never talk failure, never talk defeat, never for a moment acknowledge that God's ability cannot put you over and learn to use words so that they will work for you and be your servants. Learn how to use words to where they will work for you and not against you. Your faith will never rise above the words of your lips. Your faith will never rise higher than your confession. Tell your neighbor, your faith will never rise higher than your confession. You know, I, this is a ridiculous story. I got a speeding, or I, I nearly got a speeding ticket once on a beach on a, a, a mini bike. Uh, go figure. And uh, so, you know, th this policeman stops me on this beach. Christina was on the back. And he said, you're speeding. And I said, I can't be speeding. He said, you were speeding. I said, I can't be speeding. He said, why would you say you can't be speeding? I said, because of where I rented this, they told me that it had a governor on it to limit it to the speed limit. He said, where'd you rent it? Anyway, I didn't get a ticket. But that's what a governor is. A governor is... A, a mechanical device on an internal combustion engine to limit your speed. And your mouth is the governor of your life. Your mouth limits the speed at which you can move through life. You know, I had a workman at the house the other day and uh, he was asking me about shrubs and, you know, you know, look at these, they're coming back. I said, 
they're dead. I said, I don't like dead stuff. He said, uh, you want to replace them? You know, because they're 99% dead, and then there's a sign of life over here, you know, on the left. And I said, I said, <laughs> I said they're as dead as Julius Caesar. I said, I want to replace them. Well, I could never afford to do that. But see, the thought would never occur to me to say I couldn't afford to do that. See, what he, he doesn't realize because he's not in a faith environment, he doesn't realize he's got, he put a governor on his own life. He's got a governor on it. He can only move through life in first gear, maybe second gear, because of his mouth. Now, somebody might say, man, that's a hard thing. No, 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 no. God gave us his word, and God expects us to get in there and find out what it says, what belongs to us, what will work against us, avoid all of that, what will work for us, and do all of that. This is basic stuff. You know, one of my favorite chapters is uh, Deuteronomy 28, but I was changing Bibles the other day, and I was pulling out uh, bookmarkers, 20 things we must confess from last year. And one of them was stuck in Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8 was John Osteen's favorite chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. But, but in whether it's chapter Deuteronomy 8 or Deuteronomy 28, it's all in there. In other words, I set before you life and death. Now choose life. So it's, there's no excuse. Tell your neighbor, there's no excuse. No excuse. Tell, tell, tell your neighbor on the other side, ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance is no excuse. Yeah. So... Yeah, he expects us to uh, find out what belongs to us. So our confession creates our realities. Think about how they've trained this whole culture, this whole generation. To, I mean, they're just wandering around like zombies. You know, life is unfair. I can't make a living. I can't afford health insurance. I mean, they, they've trained an entire country to poor mouth. It, it is absolutely amazing. But we got a young guy in this church, and all he knows is faith, because you know he's been here his whole life, and uh, he sold 19 homes in one day. You might say that's crazy. I know it's crazy, but this is what happens when all you know is faith. When all you know is faith, nothing is impossible. Amen. While I'm talking, I'm just hoping to God they weren't 19 Californians. But anyway, <laughs> he sold 19 houses in one day. So faith grows as we feed upon God's word. Say it out loud. Faith grows, faith grows. As, we as we feed upon God's word. God. Say this. Faith grows, faith grows as we take action on take action. God's word. God. Now, those are the only two ways I know of to make faith grow. We dealt with this, I think it was in the 2018 Holy Week Revival, that all of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have been given a measure of faith. So you can't complain about little faith because we've all been given a measure of faith. The question then is, what have we done with the measure of faith we were given in the first place? And the only way I know to make your faith grow is to feed upon God's word and to take action upon God's word. To feed on God's word. It's just amazing to me. It's just amazing to me 
how little God's people know about the Word of God. How do I know this? Because people come to me all the time in the fellowship atrium, and they're just shocked. They're just shocked. They're just shocked as something they came across in the annual Bible reading, which tells me they didn't read it before. I mean, it's like a brand new thing. But see, if they'd read through the Bible before, well, they would know, well, that's been in there the whole time. To be fair, every time I read the Bible, I see things that, I mean, I know I'd never seen before. So the Bible's a living book, and sometimes something jumps off the page, and you've read it before, but somehow it just never registered before. That's, what, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they, they never read it in the first place, so they're shocked when they see it. Thoughts may come and persist in staying, but when you refuse to put them into words, they die unborn. And if you think you're the only person that Satan is attacking in your thought life, well, you, uh, you haven't done the annual Bible reading because we find out that Jesus was tested in all points as we are. We find out also, speaking about Elijah, which is kind of an odd example, uh, that his tests, are, his tests are similar to our tests. And I say he's kind of an odd example because I just put that in, I think, the fall power lunch. You know, he, he defeats the 450 prophets of Baal. And then he's afraid of a woman and runs for his life and hides. So, you know, it's kind of, but you can do things under the anointing. You can't do any other way. Amen. So he must have been under the anointing on Mount Carmel. And then the anointing lifted and he had to run from Jezebel. I guess that's maybe how it worked. So Jesus' words were filled with himself. Jesus' words were filled with himself. And as we act upon his words, his words fill us with Christ, the very anointing of God himself. The word Christ means the anointing, the anointed one, the anointing. And so as we, as he spoke, and you understand, every word in here could be found in a magazine or a newspaper or somewhere. There's a divine order. For God so loved the world. I mean, you could find those words in any newspaper or magazine, but it's the order of those words. And the order is what's anointed. And the presence of God is in the word of God. The presence of God is in the word of God. The, and when you have the anointing, when you have the presence, you have the anointing. When you have the anointing, you have the power. It's in the word of God. And that's why... In 1965, they had to get the Bible out of the public schools. Look what has happened to our country in the 65 years since they took the Bible out of the public schools. Talk about going to hell. And it's just amazing. But they knew exactly what they were doing. See, they were sowing the seeds for the demise of the nation. Now, Karl Marx is okay, but not that Bible. And the reason is, well, the Bible has power. And they knew it. They actually knew. The ungodly actually knew the power of the Word of God more than God's people. It's really, it's really amazing. 
So Jesus' words feed faith and cause it to grow in power in us. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, Pastor, are you ever going to do a Holy Week revival in any verses besides Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24? And the answer is no. I'm going to come back every year and find some new approach to Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. I never get tired of them. Amen. Because they, they feed my spirit man. They, they make my faith grow. They are chock full of the anointing of God and the presence of God and the power of God. The other day we were in John 15. I preached my first sermon out of John 15. You know, about the, the branches and the vine and the fruit. I love it. There's power in it. There's, there's truth in it. There's, there's the presence of God in it. It's anointed. Hence, the believer's word should be born of faith and filled with faith. Jesus was the way, the reality, the truth, and the life. And as new creations in Christ were taking his place, showing the way, confessing the reality, the truth, all while enjoying the life. And this is something that too many of God's people have utterly rejected. You know, we showed on Anniversary Sunday, you may not have been here because of the snow, but we showed on Anniversary Sunday a clip from David Crank, Pastor David Crank, St. Louis, Missouri. And he said how much he had learned about faith and prosperity and success from me. And then he said the, one of the big things he learned was to not be ashamed of it. But see, that because we have not boldly taught the Word of God, we live in a world now where Christians don't feel comfortable being blessed and they feel like they got to hide being blessed. Amen. It's kind of a weird thing, but you know, I'll tell you, the Lord's prompted me to tell this story. We were still meeting in the hotel and I was looking for ways to do missions. You have to understand that in the very beginning, I understood I got to sow money. And so the very first month we met, we made the decision to tithe off the general fund. What's the general fund? If you just give money with no designation, it goes into the general fund. If you tithe, it goes into the general fund. And so the very first month this ministry was open, we decided we're going to tithe off that general fund. And we have all these years. Now, it's not a mechanical thing, but we know we have because of all this giving. And then we look at the percentage, we're tithing plus off the general fund we have from the beginning. And so I was looking for ways to sow money. That's how I found Bud Sickler because uh, when, when Lester Summerall came and spoke for us the first time, I asked him, I said, I need to find places to give money. And of course he said, give to me. <laughs> and he told me, you know, about feed the hungry and we began giving. And, but then he told me about Bud Sickler in Mombasa, Kenya. That's actually how I met Bud Sickler in Mombasa, Kenya. But anyway, so I knew a young man that was working for Teen Challenge in Detroit. And so uh, I guess I was talking to a guy in the church about this young man that I knew that was working in Teen Challenge in Detroit. And he said, well, he said, Pastor, let's go. And so he, he went with me. We went up there. We visited this young man. And uh, so on Friday night, they had a coffee house ministry on Jefferson Avenue. You have never in your life been on a more dangerous street than Jefferson Avenue in Detroit, Michigan. I don't care where you're from. And so 
they had a coffee house on Jefferson Avenue. And so they were doing, it was like an old Salvation Army meeting, like a Billy Sunday type meeting. So they're doing church inside this storefront. And then the rest of us, you know, we're outside just witnessing to the drug dealers and the drug addicts and the ladies of the night and everybody, you know, whoever was coming by and, you know, handing them pamphlets or tracks or whatever. So this all winds down about midnight. And so, you know, man, we're, man, we're just pumped, man. We're just psyched, man. We're just up. Well, you can't go back to the hotel and go to sleep. So there's a Frisch's big boy across the road. No, in, in Michigan, it's not Frisch's. It's, it's not Bob's. Elias Brothers. Elias Brothers, big boy across the street. And so we go over to the, the Elias Brothers, big boy. I mean, it's like 1230 in the morning. And, you know, man, because, you know, we're just, you know, all this adrenaline, man, we're just psyched and pumped. And, you know, Christians, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't go with girls who do. So what do we do? We eat. So we're over there. And, and I got a revelation that night that changed my life. I got a revelation that night to change my life. I mean, who do you think is going to be at an Elias Brothers big boy on Jefferson Avenue at 1230 on a Saturday morning? drug dealers, and the ladies of the night. And I got a revelation that changed my life. Because I, I mean, I'm looking at this, and you know what I'm seeing? Bling. You could go blind with all the, the bling. And you know what? Then I looked out in the parking lot, and what do you think the parking lot was full of? Tell me, what do you think the parking lot was full of? Forget about Cadillacs. I mean, it was full of Mercedes and BMWs. And it changed my life. It changed my life. I, got, I came back to Arlington. We were still in the hotel. It changed my life. And I just began preaching that if we allow ourselves to be ashamed of the blessings of God while the drug dealers are, are driving all of this and wearing what they're wearing, then we are out of our minds. And, but then I got beat down, man. I got beat down. I got beat down. I got beat down by the devil, and I got beat down by the people of this, of the, of, uh, the Christian people of this uh, world. And uh, uh, fast forward one, two years later, I think we were still at the hotel. A guy gave me my first Rolex watch. It was a very modest watch. It was, it was two-tone. It wasn't even 18-carat two-tone. It was 14-carat with stainless steel and, you know, like diamonds, like at one, two four, five, you know, very, very, very modest. But anyway, I felt bad because we're meeting in a hotel and somebody gives me a Rolex watch. And so I took the Rolex watch. We had a safe deposit box for our wills and things. And so I put it in the safe deposit box. And then I do know we were still at the hotel. You know how I know that? Because I was stomping around that three and a quarter acres in the dew, getting my shoes wet every morning, you know, believing God for the money to start construction now pay real close attention because you're going to learn something right here. It'll change your life if you'll get it. And I'm out there, you know, stomping around three and a quarter acres, believing God for the money to start construction. And I don't know what I was praying or what scriptures I was reciting or what I was confessing, but the Lord was ignoring all of it. And the Lord said to me, where's the watch? And I said, well, Lord, you know all things. 
I said, it's in the safe deposit box. And he asked me a question because, see, I had already learned the lesson, but I allowed the world to beat me down. I allowed the people of God to beat me down, and I had to learn the lesson all over. Tell your neighbor, you're going to keep going to the woodshed until you get it. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you're going to keep going to the woodshed until you get it. And so he said, where's the watch? And I said, well, Lord, you know all things. It's in the safe deposit box. And he asked me a question that changed my life. And I stand here tonight. I'm smiling because I can hear Fred Price saying something to me. I stand here tonight blaming the Lord. But I remember Fred Price told me one time, he said, if anybody ever gives you any trouble about this success and prosperity, he said, you blame me. So, but I'm blaming the Lord tonight. And he said, he asked me a question that changed my life. He said, are you ashamed of my blessings? And I had it. And that's why sometimes you bring visitors and they think, man, he's crazy. I'm crazy because I'm not ashamed of his blessings. I mean, if God gives me some, I mean, no wonder we don't walk in greater blessing. When God blesses us, because we have allowed ourselves to be beat up by the world and we have allowed ourselves to be beat up by other Christians, we're ashamed of his blessings. I'm not. You pulled up on a concrete parking lot. Did you notice it's not asphalt? Did you notice that if there's a, if there's a, uh, a dip in it or a sinkhole starting we 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 cut it out and we don't patch it with asphalt <laughs> we saw cut it and we do it right no and we don't owe any man anything except the debt of love hallelujah yeah no, i'm not ashamed i'm not ashamed to admit it We're blessed. But we didn't get there because we're smart. We got there because we stood with the word of God. We just believed what God said. And we were, we were crazy. We had crazy faith. We, we said what God said. We did what God said do. And then we weren't ashamed of the results. Amen. Not ashamed of it. The world's not ashamed. I mean, oh my gosh. We have a vice president. I saw a video today of her with some rapper from, you know, back in the day. And the guy that tweeted this uh, little GIF said, you know, she's always worked for her living. I thought that was so hilarious. You know, why is she hanging out with this rapper dude? And, you know, the rapper dude's got all this bling. They're not ashamed. I said, they're not ashamed. Amen. They're up to no good. They're not ashamed. We got a guy, first president of the United States I know of, that wears a Rolex, and he didn't even know he's wearing a Rolex. <laughs> so why should I be ashamed of wearing whatever I want to wear? That may not be your thing. Fred Price never wore a Rolex because he didn't like them. He said they were too heavy. He wore Omega. I mean, do what you want to do, but don't be ashamed of it. Amen. Don't be ashamed of the blessing of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Because let me tell you what, if the Lord blesses you with A and you're ashamed of it, why should he come along and bless you with B? 
Right? Amen. Amen. You know, in World War II, you watch those old black and white movies. Uh, the GIs would say, you know, some, you know, like if they were uh, at ease or had a break, you know, if you got them, smoke them. Well, if you got it, drive it. If you got it, wear it. Amen. You ladies, if you got it, carry it. I'm talking about a, 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 a bag or a purse. I'm saying, why, why should we be ashamed of anything that God has blessed us with? Now, somebody might say, why did you get off on this? I thought we were talking about confession the last two or three Wednesday nights because this is directly related to what you experience in life because if you pour mouth with your mouth, then you're not going to walk in the blessing of the Lord. You're not going to have it. Amen. You're not going to have it. Yeah, you're not going to have it. And people, I know people, there may be somebody upset with me right here, but you know, 30 years back, 30 years back, I started saying, you know, I, we eat where we want, we drive what we want, we wear what we want, we live where we want, 30 years back. And, and we weren't there, but we got there. See, your life will follow your confession. Your confession doesn't follow your life. Your life results follow your confession. Can you see that? But people don't seem to understand this. And when you say what you've got, you stay where you're at. So we have to, and again, I'm not just talking about being full of it. I just read last night, Paul said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. I'm not just talking about, you know, blowing smoke. But I can do it by saying what God says. I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed when I go out. I can say that. I can say I'm blessed immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. I can say that. I can say all of my needs are met. The Lord my God is meeting all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I can say that. I can say I'm being made rich in every way so that I can be generous on every occasion. I can say that. I can find ways to say the word of God and not just make stuff up and be full of it. Am I helping anybody? Amen. But we have allowed this old world, man. You know, Amazon made more money in the last 12 months than they made in the previous three years. The super rich are getting richer, and that's why they don't mind the lockdowns. That ridiculous Melinda Gates, you know, said, oh, we didn't know what kind of damage the lockdowns would cause. Well, of course not, silly. You know, they just fly from one mansion to the next in their private jets. You know, when they split up, getting ready to get divorced, she rented a private island to have privacy. Look, there's not a Christian you know of that has the juice to rent a private island for privacy. And then the mope husband says, you know, please respect our privacy. This is one of the biggest invaders of privacy in the history of humanity. I'm saying, why should we be ashamed? Amen. Amen. Why should we be ashamed of the blessings of the Lord? <laughs> and you know, Christians are so funny. They're so funny, man. They're so funny. You, you, let, you let a Christian get their hands on a million dollars and, and you know, they, they got to hide it. And look, a million dollars, if you think a million dollars is a lot of money, you haven't been shopping for a house lately. 
You know, we need to get past this. Amen. And move on. Tell your neighbor, there's always another level. Tell the neighbor on the other side, there's always another level. And you'll never enjoy what you are in Christ until his faith rules your mouth. Until we know our legal rights in the family of God, we'll never become outstanding in our faith life. Until we confess our legal rights in the family of God, we will never become outstanding in our faith life. Until we take action on our legal rights in the family of God, act like the word of God is so, we will never become outstanding in our faith life. We should know that the Bible is made up of two legal documents, the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant, and that Jesus' death was a legal death to meet humanity's legal needs, and that his sacrifice, his substitutionary work was accepted by the Supreme Court of the universe and that man has a legal right to take Christ as his Savior and to confess him as his Lord, which gives him a legal right to eternal life, the very nature of God. It is the legal right of everybody alive today to confess Christ, believe in Christ, and walk in what Christ has done. Every this is why a lot of times I know two or three famous ministers have gotten off into universalism. Even word of faith guys have gotten off into universalism because it is true that what Jesus did, he did for all. That is true. And it is true. It is universal. Anybody can confess Christ. I read that just last night. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's true. But that doesn't mean universally we're all saved because not everybody's calling on the name of the Lord. Do you understand? The work that Jesus did was universal, but that doesn't mean the effect is universal. This makes the believer a son, and as a son, he has a legal right to his father's protection and care. Man now has a legal right to all that Jesus purchased for him in his redemptive work. All of it. If you're a guy, don't miss the fall power lunch. My. The Lord spoke to me the other day about why a whole swath of Christians live their whole lives without doing without. Yeah, we sabotage ourselves with our mouths. I'll tell you a quick story. In the series... Apostles and Prophets, which is wrongly titled, probably, it was a minister's meeting Kenneth Hagin did up, I think it was in Minneapolis or somewhere up there. Uh, they titled it that because I think he started out talking about Apostles and Prophets. But in that series, he tells a story about a minister in the denomination he was in in those days, and this minister's wife left him. And uh, people went, tried to witness to her, tried to win her back to the Lord. The district superintendent or the sectional presbyter, one of those two actually went to where she was, holed up with some other man. She met him at the door with her robe open, you know, showing herself to this man of God who's trying to witness to her. 
I mean, she just rejected the whole thing, rejected Christ, rejected the ministry, left her husband. And so by and by, over several years, this minister had, you know, she divorced him. And then over, over several years, this minister met somebody else in church and they got married. And so this denominational group, when they did minister's meetings, and this is one reason I don't go to minister's meetings, because they are the most negative cesspools of unbelief that you'll ever come across. And, uh, but they, they were making sport. They made, they made a sport out of trash talking this guy. And, uh, and, you know, Dad Hagen was a young man, and he joined in because these are his elders. These are older men doing this, and he joined in. And uh, the next day in prayer, as harsh as the Lord ever spoke to him in his life, the Lord spoke to him and said, who are you to judge another man's servant? And so I was listening to that message and I was thinking about somebody I knew in Bible school and the Lord spoke to me and this is going to be the basis of the fall power lunch and the Lord spoke to me and said that right there is why that group hardly ever has anything. You got to watch your mouth. When, when somebody gets divorced, you don't know everything. And I, I've come across women out of divorce, so I don't judge it. <laughs> Amen. I don't judge it. Amen. You know, and the Lord said, who are you to judge another man's servant? I don't know about you, but controlling me is a full-time job. I don't have time to get into trying to control somebody else. Unless they work for me. When they work for me, you know, I want them to do this or that. But I'm saying, I don't have time to go around judging stuff, and, and I'm not the faith police. Tell your neighbor, you're not the faith police either. The faith police. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you're not the faith police either. The faith police. So we got to watch our mouths. Because what happens, I just read this last night, to not put a stumbling block in front of a brother. And when you trash talk somebody because of what they're going through, some sickness they're going through, or a marital challenge they're going through, or they lost a job, or whatever it is, you're putting a stumbling block in front of them. And I don't know if you figured it out or not, but this world's not going to cheerlead us, so we need to cheerlead each other. We need to be for each other. So this work that Jesus has done has given us a legal right to all that Jesus purchased for him and his redemptive work. That's where I left off and got sidetracked. But it's up to us. It's all ours legally. But it's up to us to enforce it and to walk in it. Man now has a legal right to use the name of Jesus in prayer and when dealing with demonic forces. Man now has a legal right to the Holy Spirit's indwelling. That's where I got off course because there's whole swaths of Christianity out here and, and they don't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Guess what? In those churches, guess what? Nobody gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then there's a whole swath of Christianity out here and they don't believe in healing. So guess what? Guess what? Guess what? In those churches, nobody ever gets healed. But wait a minute. Forget about a swath of Christianity. The bulk of Christianity doesn't believe in the blessing of the Lord. And so they don't walk in it. 
I asked the Lord a couple of years ago, I said, how did I do all this? And he said, well, he said, most people come into my, my house. And he said, the foyer is salvation. And they come into the foyer and that's it. That's as far as they go. He said, but not you. He said, you just stomped around the whole house. He said, you went into the baptism in the Holy Spirit room and you went into the healing room and you went into the success room. And he said, you just made yourself at home. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud. If God has it for me, I want it. Say it again. If God has it for me, I want it. Amen. I mean, if, 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 if you had a rich relative die and there was a reading of the will, you would not be so stupid as to go and say, I want half of what he left me. No, you'd say, I, well, I don't care. All the way down to the paper clips, I want what's mine. Do <laughs> you understand? All promises and statements of fact in the word belong to man. Every man and every woman alive today. It's, it all belongs to all of us. But that doesn't mean we're all going to walk in it. Man now has a legal right to a perfect redemption from Satan's dominion, from sickness and disease and from poverty and from want. I'm totally convinced of it. If it were not for my fathers and the faith, you know... When we come back from uh, Derek and Christina's or we come back from Big Cedar, the, the, the south way through Arkansas, there's this little denominational Pentecostal church on that little two-lane highway in Arkansas. And every time I, we pass it, I tell the same thing. I tell Sue the same thing. If it weren't for the grace of God, that could be me right there pastoring that. Now, there's nothing wrong with Arkansas, nothing wrong with a little church, nothing wrong with the two-lane highway, nothing wrong with all of it. But that wouldn't suit me. I like big. <laughs> Man now has a legal right to stand in the Father's presence because Jesus has become his legal righteousness and he has legally become the righteousness of God in Christ. This is our problem. And it's my problem. I know it. It's my problem. He's telling me something right now. I just can't hardly believe it. That's our problem. He loves us more than we love ourselves. He believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. That's our problem. That's it. It's a real challenge to believe what he's done for us. Not really so much that. The real challenge is to believe who he is has made us. That's the challenge. Man now has a legal right to heaven as his home. Yeah, Jeffrey Daimler had a legal right to heaven. Hard to believe, isn't it? He had a legal right to the name of Jesus. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. The lady who uh, created Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, she had a legal right to heaven. She had a legal right to salvation. She had a legal right to the name of Jesus. But it didn't do her any good. See, just having a legal right to it doesn't make it yours. You got to pick it up. You got to believe it. You got to confess it. You got to take action on it. You got to act like it's so. And this takes prayer out of the realm of doubt and puts prayer into the realm of absolute certainty. And frankly, 
and it's getting more so every year, it offends people because we don't act like typical Christians. I, I, I'm sure I don't. I know who I am. It was in the very early 90s. I had a guy working for me, and he was working against me. I found out he was working against me. I had a phone call from someone that I trusted, and he told me a story, and I figured out this guy's working against me. And it was a Monday. It was a Monday afternoon, and I'm at the house. Sue was up at the school, and the kids were in school, and I'm by myself. I'm in the living room. I'm on the couch. And the most offensive words the Lord has ever spoken to me in my entire life came to me that day, and he said to me, what are you afraid of? And I was offended. I stood up. I stood up. I told him, I said, I've never been afraid of anything in my life. What are you talking about? He said, well, why don't you go down there and fire that guy? And immediately I began thinking about his friends. I began thinking about the consequences. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, see, you're afraid. And then he, he, he taught me something that day that changed my life. And it, you wonder why I act the way I do? He told me this. He said, you never have anything to lose by being strong. You never have. What, what did we do last year in the COVID? How much weakness did you see in me? Because he told me all those years ago in the early 90s, you never have anything to lose by being strong. And everything that they're doing and everything that they're saying and everything the devil's about is to goad you and to bully you into a place of weakness. But he told me, you never have anything to lose by being strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I've done my best to be strong since. I hope I haven't disappointed him. I hope you don't think I'm a weenie. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shout it out loud. I'm strong in the Lord, in the Lord. and in the power of his might. Of his Shout might. it again. I'm strong in the Lord, in the Lord. and in the power of his might. Of his might. One more time. I'm strong in the Lord, in the Lord. and in the power of his might. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.